Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Here we go. This is going to be a very unique edition of the Lake Report. We've been recording this show since 2012. So this is our, I think it's our 11th or our 12th season. Anyway, we've been doing it for more than 11 years. We have never done a Leaf Report without Jonas being a part of it. We're going to do it today. We're going to make history here today. Uh, Jonas is tied up in a Swedish fjord somewhere. I'm not 100% sure actually where <laughs> what's happening, but he is still over in Stockholm. And uh, we have a replacement co-host for me today. I, I have to be the, the man running the show, which is a scary thought. And uh, it's going to be Chris Johnston, who is on his way back from Stockholm and the Leafs trip over there right now. And uh, thankfully agreed to join me from an airport lounge somewhere, probably running on two or three hours sleep. So welcome to the show, Chris. And thanks for being part of, uh, of history here on the show. Yeah, I didn't know that piece of trivia until you, you just mentioned it here. And, uh, you know, Jonas is in danger now. You, you, you could be Wally Pith, right? He loses his spot in the lineup and uh, we never hear from him again. No, no, he's uh, he's he's the bedrock of this show. So he's the thing that keeps it going. I'm just going to see if we can maybe bullshit our way through one episode here without him. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like the parents are gone for the weekend. And now we we got to try to see if we can run things. Oh, if I go off the rails, there's going to be no one to bring me back. You're just going <laughs> to encourage it. So it's going to devolve into bad puns and all kinds of stuff. So, um, all right. So I suspect since we're going to just talk about the, the Sweden trip, I wasn't there. You were there. Uh, most of our listeners probably weren't there. So we're going to try and like bring them into what it was like. The thing I'm going to say up the top is like, Obviously, William Nylander, William Nylander is a huge part of the story coming out of that week. I was wondering if we could just like talk about some of the other things around the trip first, and then we'll obviously dedicate a chunk of the show to, to Nylander. Um, but I, I'm just curious for you, what are, what are some of your like non-William Nylander takeaways from the, uh, how long have you been over there? Six days, I guess, from the, the six days that you spent over there with the Leafs. Like, what, what do you come away from the trip? Having experienced, um, you've covered the team for a long, long time. Where does this kind of rank for you among the things that you've done? And and what do you think it potentially means for for the team having been over there and, and played these games? Well, quite honestly, it's one of the more unique experiences I've ever had um, professionally. And, and it was just so cool to be in another city, to be in a place where there's four NHL teams at once. Um <sighs> You know, because it was very close quarters and everywhere you go, you're bumping into the, the GMs or the players. Uh, obviously, a lot of family members from, from all four teams came over and, and decided to, to mark the occasion by being part of it. And so, you know, just from a very high level, I, I mean, it was amazing. It was so cool to 
to to be there because everywhere you look too, there was just all these like Swedish Hall of Famers just hanging out in the stands. You know, Nicholas Lidstrom, Marcus Maslin was around. Obviously, Matt Sundin, uh, Peter Forsberg was at the games. You know, Nicholas Cronwell, like every, it just felt like it was like summer camp for hockey or something. It was it was it was really neat. And then of course you had a great backdrop like Stockholm, and you mix it all together four games in four days. I mean, fans from all over Europe. I mean, it, it was super cool. You know, one thing I'll say, and, and you might've caught some wind of this from the comments. I did not sleep like all week and <laughs> I, and, and not for the reasons maybe in my younger days in my career that I might not sleep in a week. Uh, it just, it, it was, you know, to be in a place, there's no light really there. And, and the sun's going down at three o'clock and like, that was, it was interesting and cool, but I, I could not, I was up at 4am like every day. It felt like, um, no matter what I went to bed or how I was feeling. And, and I think a lot of the people for the teams felt the same way. Um, you know, Sheldon Keefe talked about it a little bit as the Leafs, uh, packed up and went home on their charter Sunday night that he had some problems at Mitch Marner. I know some of the other players mentioned, you know, similar issues. And so, you know, I do wonder going back what that will all mean. Maybe it means nothing in the scope of a long season because obviously being tired and, um, you know, the grind of travel is something that every, every player and every team contends with over an 82 game schedule. But, um, you know, it was, it was really cool. It felt different. Like it didn't just feel like regular season games, um, just in terms of like being on the ground, the Leafs, I'll say this, that after their win on Sunday against Minnesota, it's probably the happiest I can remember seeing them after a regular season win. I mean, obviously the playoffs, it's not really comparable. You know, I think back to the night in Tampa last year when they, they eliminated the lightning in game six and kind of the outpouring of emotions then. But for just regular season game number 17 of the season, you know, there was a real buzz um, in the dressing room among the players, even among the staff. I think because it, it was a fun experience, it's cool to go see a new place, but it was also a grind, right? It was it was outside of their normal routines. And I do think a lot of them didn't sleep and, you know, just you know, it was, it was kind of stressful in its own way and, and so forth to turn out so well where the team gets four points and, and sort of builds those new memories, has the William Nylander thing, has a whole bunch of other positive things happen. I, I think that, you know, that it was, it was, that's one thing that struck me as I was leaving the rank. I was like, wow, like normally you just win a game over Minnesota or any team in overtime, everyone's moving on pretty quickly onto the next game, but it, that felt like a little bit of a release uh, for that group. The uh, you could tell watching on TV that the the hockey was sloppy and it not just for the Leafs but for the other teams as well. I mean, Detroit had to do a back to back and like it 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 sort of there was a bit of like a preseasony vibe to some of the games and some of the play. So like it, I don't know, I don't know if the people in Sweden felt like they got their money's worth. The hockey was like a little bit, <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't the best of NHL hockey. But do do you think? I mean, there were there were people with the NHL over there. Bill Daly was over there. I believe Bet Batman was over there too, right? Yeah. Do they, what do you think the league comes away from this thinking? Like, do they think like this it should be a regular occurrence? We're going to do this every year kind of thing? Well, they certainly are going to have games in Europe, I think, every year. You know, this, it's been pretty much every year minus, you know, any time lost during the pandemic uh, for obvious reasons. But this has become a regular part of sort of what they do. I, I think one of the questions they have is this was the first time that they brought four teams to one city and, and you know, staged four games in four days. I think they won't wondered about you know could we sell enough tickets is that a good thing to do a bad thing to do you know i think that it ended up being a good thing um 
I don't know if we had 100% full sellouts for all four of those games, but the building was basically full uh, for all of them. There was a great vibe actually in the arena. Strangely, Sunday's game, the last game, Leafs and Wild, might have been like the least good vibe. But I started to think about it. I'm like, it's because so many fans came and went to two or three or four games. It's like the end of the weekend. I'm sure they're having fun when they're not at the, the arena. And it's just almost Sunday like, afternoon. Yeah, it's like yeah. It's, it's almost lower energy just because like just naturally i don't think it's because it was a comment on the game or anything specifically um but you know it sounds like next year they're planning to do you know go back to two teams which is just you know two teams two games in the city i think it'll probably be in temporary finland again next year at nokia arena there um but you know over time i think they do want to grow it and because you know the value that i can see now having been on the ground is i met so many people that that came up and said hi that you know we're in for the weekend from Slovakia or from England or other parts of Europe, you know, this is, if you're, if you're a fan of, you know, the NHL or one of these teams and obviously the Leafs fan base is massive. I mean, this, this was the opportunity. If you're anywhere close to Stockholm, uh, it made sense to go there versus flying all the way to North America for games during a season. So, you know, I think as an event, they'll continue to look to build it. It's not a, it's not a money loser for the league, but it's not a massive money maker. But I think that there's, have a deeper understanding that as long as you're not losing money on it, it's it's probably a good thing to do to service your fan base over in Europe. And I mean, look, we, we see what the NFL does. It seems like there's pretty much a game in London every weekend during the NFL regular season. I know they had a game in Frankfurt recently too in Germany. Um, you know, I think I think if anything, we're going to see this grow and expand over time. I don't think that times next season, but five years from now, I bet we're going to have more games in places like Europe or, or perhaps elsewhere in the world than we do right now. Did um, you see the video that the Leafs posted of Timothy Logren going around and talking to fans? Yeah, it was um, awesome. Showing them pictures. Of, yeah, it was fun. So, uh, you know, it was instructive there. There was the one the one person that he talked to and in, in Timothy Logren interviewed, and he was showing pictures of his teammates basically dressed up in different ways. And it was a guy from Slovakia, and he knew everything about the Leafs, and he knew who all the players were and everything. And I was like, yeah, probably like the like the like probably the Slovakian versions of a young me and you would be like there in a minute to go to go to those games, right? Like that would be just like such a moment if you're a big NHL fan over in Europe to to go. Um, so that that's kind of cool. I can see it like it's almost like a like an all star game weekend or something that you have over there. I, I like the idea of having the four teams and having more games and making it more of a thing because in past years it's been kind of you know it's like Columbus and whoever are over playing somewhere and it just. It's, it feels like a blip on the schedule, whereas this felt like more like a moment. They also took four pretty high-profile teams, uh, two Canadian teams, Minnesota, Detroit. Uh, a lot of history there. A lot of lot of good Swedish players have played in those organizations. Um, I think that that added something a little bit more special to it. Yeah, and you know, one of the things, James, you probably know, but maybe the, the average listener might not, is that, you know, the basically at this point, the uh, the, the league pays for. Uh, it guarantees you a home date sellout in terms of what they pay the teams. And and so the challenge with bringing the higher profile teams, you know, the Leafs didn't play technically a home game there. Those counted as two road games for them. But, you know, I think trying to balance that, you know, financially, but obviously giving, you know, organizations a chance to come like the Leafs, you know, maybe one day we'll see the Rangers return, um, you know, back to, to somewhere in Europe or something like that. I mean, it, it's just that the cost of buying out those home gates is so expensive. They can't make the money back. And so that, I think that's been right. part of the reason you've seen the matchups you have in the past. And so I think, 
the way you one way to get around that is if you feel you can have four teams you can maybe balance those two priorities at the same time a little easier than when it's just two um and so yeah it's it's uh it, it was cool to have the Leafs there I mean even the Red Wings right I mean if you think of most of the star players that have, that have come from Sweden I'm talking the absolute stars most of them played for either Toronto or Detroit I mean Obviously, Peter Forsberg spent most of his career in Colorado. There's, you know, there's some exceptions there. Henrik Lundqvist with the Rangers, um, but you know, there's there's pretty strong ties, and and so I think those organizations are the two most followed in in the country of Sweden uh, in terms of from an NHL standpoint. And so th- it felt kind of historic to have them there, and, and then because all those players have now, for the most part, moved back to Sweden, they're all around the games. I mean, that that was an added benefit to me. I mean, I, I thought it was. That was really quite something. I, I didn't expect it to maybe be as it, it kind of felt like meaningful in, in a way, you know, because at the end of the day, I think what all the leagues are trying to do is create meaning in their regular seasons. Um, you know, they're long seasons. A lot of games are kind of forgettable. I'm not saying the games we saw there were classic, but certainly the feeling around the games and the and around the event and um, you know, having all you know, the building was was jammed and and you know, I think all that stuff was really positive. And, and, you know, even Sheldon Keefe said, like, it, it got him thinking, He, you know, he's in his day-to-day life. He's just grinding every day on whatever the next game is. You know, I don't think you always see the big picture when you're in the moment. But he's like, him coming here was just a reminder, he said, of, you know, how big the fan base of the Leafs is, how people care about it around the world. And I, I sense that he was quite appreciative of, of getting that perspective that maybe he wouldn't have if it was just a normal course season. It was cool too watching on the broadcast because like someone would score a nice goal or something and then they cut to the stands and it's like, oh, there's Henrik Zetterberg that's like, you know, getting excited and like, it was it was just really cool. It was kind of, it was almost like, I know you're a big fan of kind of like NHL history and kind of, you know, the fabric of the league going way back and, and stuff. And like, it really felt like kind of celebrating the history of Sweden in the NHL. And I, I, you and I both have so many of our favorite players. Were Swe- I, when I, you know, I grew up in BC, Marcus Naslund, Matthias Oland, like I love, like there were just these amazing Swedish players. And I, and then when I started covering the league, I really grew an appreciation for the, the Swedish players in the league, like just kind of their culture and the way that they are and, and the way they are to interact with. And there's, there's so many good people, not just good players, but good people that come from Sweden that are in the league. You know, and, and then I got I got to go to Stockholm in 2013. I got to sit down and meet with the uh, Swedish Ice Hockey Association, and um, it's it's a really special place. And it's a, if you're a hockey fan, it's a special part of of hockey. Like I think I think 11 percent of the NHL comes from Sweden. It's it's a big part of the the fabric of of all of it, right? And, and it's just, it's distinct culturally from what we're used to. Um, you know, and and it's hard to imagine an NHL without Sweden. I mean, that's you know, all the way back when I got to, to Stockholm last Tuesday, you know, I, the first, first thing I did pretty much other than throw my, my bag in the, the, the hotel room is go to the premiere of the, the Boreas Holming docuseries. And, you know, a big part of Boreas' stories, he wasn't the first Swede to come to the NHL, but he was one of the early Swedes and certainly one of the ones I think that, you know, earned a lot of respect um, amongst, you know, NHL general managers and people there to to open their eyes and, and realize that, that players from Sweden, I mean, it's such an antiquated view. It's almost like crazy to say it out loud now because it's not that long ago. Um, but that 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 players from Sweden could make an impact in the NHL. And if you look at what's happened since, I mean, it's it's obvious beyond Canada and the U.S. You know, Swedes are the most uh, you know prominent figures in the league in terms of numbers. 
Um, you know, lots of other countries have come on and, and, you know, Finland's become a real power in international hockey. I mean, I think really, if we're talking about the game in a, in a big picture, you, you want as many countries as possible of producing players. And, and, you know, the other thing about being in Stockholm in November is, is you see, it's, I mean, it snowed this morning before I left. So, uh, it's, it's really is a winter country. It's a place where the sport makes a lot of sense, uh, just because of the climate and, 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 you know, how accessible it is. You know, I actually talked to Nicholas Cronwall a bit. He's, he's of all things, coaching Matt Sundin's kid, uh, and his own son, uh, on an under 10 team in, in one of the suburbs outside Stockholm. But he was telling me that they even still play on outdoor rinks, you know, here and there. I mean, most of them are, are indoors, but, but there's still the odd outdoor rink that they're uh, suiting up with. And he was telling me how much he loves outdoor hockey. And so I think there's a lot of parallels with, you know, parts of Canada. Um, and, you know, let's face it, as, as different as we are in a lot of ways, uh, when you, when we have the, this game that we all love, I mean, I think we're, we're all pretty similar when it comes down to it. And, and, um, you know, so there's so many minutes in, in this trip where I was like, wow, like, this is what it's all about. Like as much as I get wrapped up in the, the trades and what the next contract's going to be. And, you know, is this team going to win the Stanley cup or not? I mean, there was really like a nice feeling with, with all the families around and the, the Nylander clan was most prominent probably because there's just so many of them uh, there for the games. Uh, but, but it was more than that. At one point I'm just walking through the bottom area of the arena and there's like 10 people wearing Brodeen jerseys and Jonas Brodeen standing there talking to his family. And, uh, you know, it was just, mm. it, it just felt really, I can only imagine, I think obviously if you grew up in Sweden and you want to make the NHL, you're dreaming of playing at Madison square garden or Scotia bank arena. You're not dreaming about playing an NHL game in your own country. But that, that being said, you know, when you get a chance to do it, I think it was pretty special for a lot of these players. And there was, you know, Swedes on each of the teams that came over here. Even like the depth guys, like they showed William Legison's family in the crowd and you could just tell like just how special it is. I mean, he's a guy who's been kind of like a fringe player for a long time. He left and went over to North America back to play college hockey. He's been gone a long time and didn't even know if he was going to be in the NHL this year. And then all of a sudden, you know, he makes the NHL, he plays well and he's had this trip and I, you know, his family, I, I didn't see them interviewed or whatever, but you could just tell it that how special it was for them. So it's... um it's pretty cool. And all of that, everything that you just said just makes me think like they probably should do this more. Like they probably should be over in Stockholm. I don't know. Every year feels like a bit much, but what about every two or three years? It feels like this could be something that they do. It could, you know, I think the biggest barrier is that, you know, hockey fans there aren't used to paying the kind of ticket prices that the yeah. NHL needs to make. And and so I'm not saying that they, that there aren't enough, but I think it's a bit of an unproven theory of, about like what the level of interest is. But I, I certainly like in a perfect world, um, it, it just makes sense, I think. And I, and I don't think the players, you know, as much as some guys didn't sleep enough and, and there's sort of challenges built into that, like I didn't hear one person really complain. And in fact, there, you know, one of the European journalists was going around the Leafs dressing room after the Minnesota game and saying, like, would you do this again? Like, what did you think? And, and they all like I remember Morgan Riley, like didn't even. Like the question wasn't finished. He's like, absolutely. He's like, this was awesome. You know, this is a guy who's an NHL veteran who's been, you know, playing in the league for, for 10 or 12 years now, whatever it is. And, you know, he's kind of seen a little bit of everything. He's done the outdoor game thing. And like, he just really sensed that, that it meant a lot to him to get a chance to, to do that. And that's, you know, a Canadian. And he was just saying, like, you even get to know your teammates better. You, you sort of see them in their own, their own country, in their own environment that, that, it's maybe given him a different thought. 
um, on, on them. And so I, you know, I, I think it's way more positives and negatives and, and ultimately I'm sure the financial picture is what will drive whatever happens moving forward. But, you know, I, probably have to go ahead 20 years but I'm, I'm, i would dream of like an nhl division or something in europe i'm sure there's all sorts of downsides i haven't thought to that obviously there's leagues in each of these countries and you know the goal is not to crush those leagues but you know i i just think it's a global game and the world's getting smaller and smaller with the passing of time here and you know i would expect we'll see an nfl team because of the way it works in europe at some point in time and i'm sure all the leagues are going to look to do something similar if that, if that ends up working out yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd love to see that. I think that the, the cost pressure is going to be a big factor in that. Like, can can you sell tickets in Helsinki and, you know, those various cities at, at NHL prices? I mean, imagine, and, and, like, if you know, corporate sponsors, even the, the buildings yeah. aren't big enough, or, I mean, compared to what we're used to, right? I mean, I think the Vici Arena, uh, the, Glo- the old globe, it's called it's about 13,500 seats. It's actually a massive building. I know you've been in it. it but like, there's just like all this space that isn't seats. Like it's, they built literally a globe. So the top half of the arena is just space. Again, it's really it, cool. It looks like a big golf building. ball. It looks like it's like a big, yeah. yeah. It's actually cool. I mean, it's, it's getting, uh, it's older. Um, so, uh, you know, sometimes when you try to build something futuristic 30 years ago, 40 years ago, it, it, you know, it doesn't age gracefully, but it, the inside is neat. It's actually one thing Austin Matthews brought up kind of un- unprovoked is like how needy found playing in the arena there but uh you know but the when we look at twenty thousand seat arenas or you know 18 to 20 being sort of a typical nhl range you know there's just not buildings in places in europe that that really satisfy that um one last thing and then then we'll take a quick break what about austin matthew's suggestion about mexico city as a location for one of these games i thought that was was kind of cool it was do you know what was the most cool thing about it and you know, you have to appreciate, you know, he's in this interview room. It's maybe 20 minutes after the game. It was um, a colleague from, from Germany that asked the question. So it's someone with an accent. And, you know, I don't know exactly how he asked it, but he's, you know, basically just like, what do you think of the Global Series games and where would you like to play one? And so in that moment, yeah, I'm sure that wasn't top of mind for Austin, but that would be coming at him as a question. And I expect him either to say some form of like, you know, I haven't really thought about it. This was fun. I'd love to do it again. I, it did occur to me, maybe he says like, oh, I played in Zurich. It would be cool to go to Zurich, you know, from his season before he got to the NHL. But the fact he kind of had the presence um, to bring up Mexico City, to say it as, as forcefully as he did, I actually think, I mean, there's been conversations about that already at the league level. And I, I know a number of teams have had interest in in trying to, to play a game or, you know, have more of a presence in Mexico City. But I, I feel like that's the kind of comment given Austin's stature in the game that actually can get something done, um, can, can yeah. be, can be a driver to, to, to see it happen. And so you know, I, I thought it was really cool. And, and, you know, I, he didn't have to clear it with any of the bosses, but I can't imagine the Leafs can say no now if the Leafs, if the league comes back and says, Hey, we're going to have a Mexico city game next season. Uh, are you guys in? Well, I know. I mean, he's still got family there, and uh, before his hockey career took off, he was he would spend a lot of time there, and um, you know, it, it it would mean a lot to him and his family, obviously, to be down there to play a game. And it makes a lot of sense, you know. I remember I never looked into this at all until the Leafs drafted Austin Matthews, but there's actually a little bit of a hockey culture there, and there are people that watch the game, and 
I think it would be really interesting to to take one of these. It's almost like the it's it's completely different than Sweden, right? Because there's not like the history and all that, but there's a lot of expats there, and I think a lot of people would go to those games. And I think it would be we need to shine a light on a, a like a very non traditional market. Um, and obviously that you have the, the Austin Matthews tie in as well. So yeah, one um, thing you know, I did dig into it a little bit since that he said that it sounds like it, there's issues with like venue. Like there's not an obvious place to have the game that that where yeah. Would, would work well i think that that will be a challenge but i mean it's a challenge i expect them to overcome i, I think the nhl is serious about going there and i think they got a little bit more serious when austin stepped up to the mic and said that all right let's do a quick break and we'll get into the second half of the show when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, CJ, we're rolling here. This is uh, this has been smooth. This has been smooth. Jonas, uh, you're in trouble, buddy. <laughs> you already have you. You already have like six podcasts. You don't need to. You don't need. You don't need to pip anybody. I know. Uh, I just like okay. talking my buddy. Yeah, it'll, it'll be. I can't wait till he listens to this. Any digs we have, we can just get them in now. He can't. He can't fight back. So, um, all right. I, I people normally listen to this show for Leafs minutia, so we need to have a little bit of that. I think what we're where we should start is obviously William Nylander. Um, one of the reasons I'm super excited about uh, William Nylander's start to the season is I'm in the athletic hockey pool, and it's like. There's a whole bunch of sharks in there. It's like Dom and Shayna and all these people. And, and I have Nylander in the pool. And I got him like 40th pick or something like that. So it's been uh, – I just hope he keeps us up. I hope he has 130 points this year and wins the Art Ross And because uh, I've got a personal stake where I want him to do well. So that's just that's just my take on uh, me being excited about it. What, what did – it seemed like from afar, I've never seen Nylander just like – it was like he was radiating the whole time when he was on camera. Like he was just like so happy and he was talking about hanging out with his buddies and then playing the next day. And uh, you and I, especially you, have been around Nylander for a long, long time. What, what was your kind of like takeaway for what this meant to him personally? Man, like he he embraced everything. Like he did everything. He had 91 friends and family. I know at the first game and I presume it was a similar number at the second game. He's, he's walking the red carpet at a Boreas Salming event that was literally a who's who of Swedish celebrities and hockey players. He goes on this talk show called Bianca, uh, which was described to me by a Swedish colleague as being something similar to, to like a Kardashians uh, type talk show. Apparently, it's the most popular uh, talk show in Sweden. You know, obviously, he's doing lots of traditional media interviews with you know the broadcasters, with with reporters like myself, uh, with the, with our Swedish colleagues. Um, you know, he's, he's, 
appeared with Matt Sundin at a fan fest in the, in the middle of the city. He signed autographs in the middle of the city and had like you know, hundreds of people lining up. You know, after the the practice they had on Saturday, he's got all these kids that you know, including Matt Sundin's kids and Nicholas Cronwell's son, that were that were you know in the practice, like taking selfies with them. I mean, it just felt like you, you can imagine trying to balance all of those things, um, and just in terms of you know focusing on being ready to play the games because you know the one thing i haven't said is he had five points and an overtime winner in these two games too and yeah. you know i just think that it probably not the best games probably of his, of his season or anything but that matter but i mean he it felt like he met the moment in a way that very few people would or could um because you know a lot of that stuff he's he's been aware of you know months out i, I know with the bianca show that you know, he had to have like a call with their producers before he even got there. Then he's got to go into the studio. He brought Kelly Arncroke and uh, John Klingberg with him. They were in the audience uh, watching him there. But, you know, it, it all that stuff doesn't just happen. I mean, and I know the Leafs manage him to, to a degree in terms of his media relations. But, you know, he's he's getting things together for family and friends. He's he's trying to, you know, do the media demand. And then he goes out and you know, really makes a difference in the Leafs getting four points on on this little two game trip to Stockholm. So, you know, I haven't seen too much like that in the past. I think it says a lot about his ability um, to compartmentalize things, to not get overwhelmed. And, you know, we always talk about how cool he is, right? In a sense. And I don't mean just in terms of his fashion style or something like that, but how he seems rather unflappable. He's, you know, here he is in this contract year. And, and I think it was fair to wonder and to ask, you know, one of the storylines on the first couple of days of camp, how will he react? You know, entering a season where he doesn't have a contract beyond it. And he's got a point in all 17 games. I mean, I can't imagine a stronger statement. Um, he's just so assertive on the ice right now. So confident, yeah. so motivated. And he's made a statement in my eyes. I mean, I recognize it maybe doesn't matter if he goes into a cold stretch and, you know, the season doesn't go the way the Leafs want. I mean, maybe it'll be forgotten, but, this is more than just a hot streak. I mean, we're what six weeks or so into the season and, and he's just, he's really done a little bit of everything and he's done it. He's been the best player on the team this year. I don't think there's much debate about that. I mean, I guess maybe there's some Matthews votes on He scored a ton of goals already this season as well, but I just feel like Nylander has been on a level we haven't seen. And, and the fact that, you know, his last two years, he established new benchmarks for points. You know, it's it's tough to keep getting better and better every year to take those steps, but you know, he it appears to me that he's gotten even better under under these sort of circumstances he's never lived through. And then he goes over there and does what he does. I mean, literally his star is rising in Sweden. I know, you know, he's he's been a great world championship player for for the Swedes and helped them win a gold medal. There's an iconic photo of him jumping the Henrik Lundqvist arms after they, they won a gold medal. He goes in 2017. Um, but you know, I think that there's also been a little bit of you know, for some Swedes, just, just unsure, you know, how Swedish he was or, or, you know, like, I, I don't know that yeah. he's always been the biggest star because, you know, he was born in Calgary when his dad played there and, you know, he and, and a lot of his siblings were raised, you know, predominantly in North America. But, you know, I think that we saw him becoming a much bigger star, even in Sweden uh, during these last couple of days. And my goodness, I mean, it's, it's a great problem to have if you're the least because he's playing so well, but his, you know, everything around where it goes from here, I think it's a little more interesting the longer this goes on in terms of his performance. And I mean, they, you know, everything you know about William Nylander right now, right? If you're the Leafs, you, 
you know, he's, he's even been one of the guys that's really stepped up in the playoffs, I think consistently. And so, um, you know, I, I'm just curious to see what the next, like, how does this keep playing out over the next few weeks or months? I mean, can he keep this point streak going? And it, does he have a crash after this? You know, be pretty emotional. I would imagine these last few days for him. Um, but you know, full credit to the way he started the season and really put an exclamation point on things in, in Stockholm. So I think you and I would be in agreement that coming into this year, we would have put Nylander as one of the more dangerous offensive players in the NHL, probably like, I don't know, top 20 or something like that among forwards. Like he would, he established himself last year with the 40 goals, uh, 87 points as being, you know, taking another step. But I didn't know if he, like if he sustains anything close to this, I, I didn't know that he could join like the upper, upper echelon of the players in the league. Like he's, Right now, he's playing as like one of the best, um, at most, handful of players in the league, and we haven't. I don't think we've seen him do that over this long of a stretch before. Like he's, he's kind of. We've seen him have games like this. We've seen him have moments like this, but just for this long a stretch of time, it's he's really done something different. And part of it, you can see. I mean, you're, you you've been you've been closer than I have to him. It, it, it's almost like a maturation as a person too. You can see in him, like he's twenty seven years old. He's been in the league a long time. He seems so comfortable. He just seems ready to to take even another step. And it's it's very, very interesting because you don't always see that where guys go from the level he was at, let's say, last year or the last two or three years and jump up to where he is now. Because, I mean, it's hard to do. It's, but it's, he's, always had, he's always had some of those skill elements, but there's, there's something different this year. Yeah, it's unmistakable. And, you know, that old saying, good is the you know, enemy of great. You know, I think it, it can be hard. Because he's been a good player, really, since he's been in the league. But, you know, like try, trying to get to one more level or one more rung up, you know, is, is tough to do when you're already more than good enough to be there. And, you know, it can maybe on some levels, whether, you know, probably be in your, your you know, a little subconscious, just, just kind of be happy with where you're at. But, you know, he's pushed himself these last couple seasons up and up and up. And I, I think you, you can see it in the points. It's reflected in the points. You know, but really all that is, is, you know, it's just a, a downstream effect of the fact he's been more consistent. He hasn't had as many lulls. I think, you know, he's someone the coaches have much, much more trust in, in terms of his defensive play. You know, he's, he's seeing more minutes now um, than, than he has in the past. He's, you know, he's generating, as we're recording this, the most number of shots or second most number of shots in the entire league, um, which is not something I would have expected. I mean, yeah, I actually looked this up last night. He's second in shots per minute to only Pasternak is ahead of him. So he he's always been pretty prolific at the, at that stat. I think he was he would have been top twenty last year, but he's 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 like he's ahead of Matthews now in in the amount of chances he's generating, which I don't think anyone would have predicted. Yeah, and it's funny too. Like Punch and I were chatting before we started the pod here today. Like like it it's not like he's building this point streak on cheesy second assists or. Mm-mm. I mean, obviously, no you know, he, he gets to play on a power play that's pretty good. And, and so that he's certainly got opportunities to, to to put up points. But, I mean, he scored so many big goals and had these big moments. And, you know, they, they had nothing going in that game against Detroit uh, on Friday night. You know, and, and it's his line with Bertuzzi and, and Tavares that really pulls the Leafs back into that game and allows them to, to win it. And then he you know, takes it upon himself to... You know, after Morgan Riley makes a block in overtime against Minnesota, I mean, I just feel like he's had so many big moments um, in within the, this sort of stretch. So, you know, at, at age 27, you know, I don't think that's guaranteed. Uh, I, I probably where it gets harder for 
for projecting the next contract or if you're in you know brandon pridham or brad trilliving's office like how how do you forecast what are you going to be and, and all those things because you know we're, we're probably witnessing his peak i, I don't think it certainly doesn't mean that uh, he's going to fall off a cliff next season or anything like that. But I mean, this is this is probably what we're watching right now. Is he's kind of at the age traditionally where players, you know, max out, and and he's really pushed himself. And I I think that there's almost some momentum to it too. I think you can see really his confidence growing. You know, the fans have embraced him to a level I think that you know that they, that they haven't in the past. And you know, it's just kind of Willie's world right now, and we're all living in it. <laughs> So he's he's one point from the lead in in NHL scoring. There's a bunch of Canucks that have one more point than him: uh, J.T. Miller, Patterson, Quinn Hughes, and he's two goals from the NHL scoring lead, which is uh, Matthews and Kyle Connor have 14 goals. What it like? What do you think is realistic for him to end up? I mean, it, it's sort of. I don't think this is just a hot streak. Like I don't all, all the underlying stuff. Like it's not like he's shooting 30 percent or something like that. Like I I feel like there's a real jump that's happening here, but where do you think is like, so he had the 40 goals, 87 points last year. Like, where do you think he potentially gets this year? Well, I think 50 goals is in reach for him with the start. He said, yeah. um, he's shooting somewhere around 15%. I didn't, I didn't see the updated number after the, the game yesterday, but um, it's not like a crazy unsustainable shooting percentage. that's driving Andy, you know, when he's generating the shots, he is, the puck's gone in with the start he's had. I mean, I think 50, 50 and 100 is probably possible. I mean, it's it's a stretch. I'm not saying, I'm not predicting that what's where he gets to, but... He's on pace for 130 like, points right now, Chris. Like, he's like right. he's got a hell of a head start to get to 100. Yeah. Right, but but I mean, he also has points in 17 games, and he's got, you know, 65 more where things will probably not go. So, you know, like, I think you have to forecast in just some bad luck or, yeah, yeah. or poor form, whatever you want to call it. But, you know... It, could see him getting to 50 goals in particular and the Leafs need that. I mean, obviously the whole, this whole team is built on the idea that you can roll out four forwards that very few teams can match up against. And obviously there's a few others in the league that can do something similar, but you know, that's supposed to be part of the advantage and you know, what a, what a different look the Leafs will take into the playoffs. If he's coming off that kind of season and has truly taken the step, it appears he's, he's taken, you know, with Matthews also, also up. So not a good start. I think Tavares always gets lost in the crowd, but I, you know, I he's one of the players I actually really liked in those two games in Stockholm. You know, part of the cool thing of watching there was we're much closer to the ice than we are in the typical press box in the NHL, and so just had a lot of appreciation for how consistent he is, the work he does along the boards. He made some nice plays by himself uh, during those games, and you know, I, I still think Mitch Marner's probably got another level in him that we've seen in the past that. He hasn't quite got to consistently enough to start this year. So, um, you know, it's been, I realize we've watched this movie a lot of times before, but, you know, the characters are changing within it, even though they're the same names uh, that, that have been here, you know, but the Leafs look even more dangerous with, with some of those guys being at the top of their games. Uh, I have to ask, do you, like, what what do you think happens with the contract situation? I mean, we've talked about it before on the podcast about how you 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 said basically you think that Nylander wants to stay and there's going to be a world where it gets done. Does this make it harder to get it done? Do you think, or does it make it easier to get it done because he's playing so well? Yeah. Uh, I think it gets. I think it makes it harder myself yeah. just because asking price goes up. 
Yeah. yeah like I, that's not anything I'm reporting. Cause I, I will be honest that the, that the numbers involved here have been kept really quiet by everyone, but I mean, I don't see how it can't go up. Uh, and if anything, I'm sure the Leafs now, you know, that, that, they're, they're probably inclined to, to raise where they were, but I mean, if this guy goes to free agency, like imagine he does score 50 goals. Um, there's, there's, there's obviously a number of teams that would be, be interested in him. I still think it makes the most sense for him to stay. I think that that's what everyone involved really wants to happen. But, you know, at the same time, this is a business decision. And, you know, if, if the, it might not line up on both sides of the business, it might not be something the Leafs feel they can work through from a cap perspective. And, you know, I, I don't think we're at the point where we should be talking about discounts for someone like Nylander. Quite frankly, I think that, you know, he's, he's proven himself or he is in the process of proving himself among the most dangerous offensive players, even to a degree that we've seen before. And he has the ability to walk any team he wants since July 1st. So I think it makes it tougher to get it done. It's not a, I'm not lowering my prediction in terms of just saying it won't happen. But I, I, I do feel a little less confident um, when he's playing like this because, you know, I was thinking something like 10 before the season began. But, I mean, you look at what some of the guys who he shares a room with make and, and where they've been at the past and where they are with regards to where he's at. And it just feels like there's room for him to push for more there. And, you know, this, I guess, is always the danger when you go into the season. There's a danger for Nylander, too, if you don't sign a contract before the year that he has an off year and maybe his pro price goes down but you know, he's he's taking it totally to a different direction and put himself in a great spot to hit a home run on the next contract all right we're gonna do one more very quick break and then we're gonna close it out all right chris this has been good uh other than um digging in on on actually having the games over there and and the Nylander situation but do you have any other takeaways that you from maybe the where the team's at right now. I mean, you talked about how like the, the good offensive performances for some players, but it feels like those have compensated for some of the issues that the Leafs have had that we've spent a lot of time talking about. They've, they've won after these games. Now they've won four in a row. So we're kind of in like the positive corner of, of Leafs talk, but where do you think the team's game is at right now overall, aside from, you know, the big performances, obviously from Matthews and Nylander? Well, defensively, I think they're still trying to find themselves, you know, that that's been, a theme throughout this year they've you know they've managed to stage some big comebacks early in the year and, and you know are getting some some nice performances at top of the lineup to, to pull out wins but i think you know you you want to see more games like the one they had against the canucks say before they came over to sweden on, on that saturday i think it was 5-2 that night but just more comfortable victories um probably it would be you know on the list of the coaching staff and i think the way that that they would conclude you get there is by giving up less than they have to this point in the season. But, you know, the fact they rang reeled off those four straight wins, I mean, it certainly has lowered the temperature around the team and I think allowed them now to, to maybe settle in on some things. I mean, it was feeling, feeling pretty shaky there uh, before they, they, they beat the flames and the Canucks and then went and won the two games in Stockholm. So, um, you know, I, I suppose the sport being what it is, you're never too far from having to, to face a moment like that, but, you know, I think the defensive play, obviously, what we're going to focus as we get deeper into the year on, you know, trade targets and things they might do externally. Um, but I think internally, they're they're just trying to, to to play to a system and find a mix. I mean, it seems like they've at least found something with the forwards. I mean, one one thing that that's kind of wasn't discussed a lot, at least where I was 
Uh, well, in Sweden is, you know, Ryan Reeves has fallen out of the lineup and, and they found more success there with Bobby McMahon playing on the fourth line as a team. Um, you know, John Klingberg situations kind of hangs in the balance here uh, with him, you know, fighting through some injuries. Where does that end up? Um, you know, I, I think that these are going to be things to watch as, as we go along, but as long as you're winning, even if it isn't quite in the manner you want, I do think it at least buys management some time to, to make considerations on, on, you know, acquiring players and looking for those sort of improvements because, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs should be good enough to win these games, even using some of their depth defensemen and everything with, with, with players out injured and, you know, they, they have righted the ship in that direction. I think getting just getting Reeves and Klingberg out of the lineup was huge because they were such anchors. Like if you look at any of the analytics and whatever, like they were pulling down the performance. I mean, it was something like 58% of the scoring chances against were when Klingberg was on the ice. So just getting him out and even putting Simon Benoit in there, who's not anyone you're ever going to get super excited about having on your decor. They just look, I don't know, there's, there's less chaos now when they're on the ice. So... But the question is, like, they're so tight against the cap. Like, I don't. I, I wonder if those guys are going to get a real chance to break back in, or like, are we are we looking at waivers or a trade or like it, it feels or I mean, even LTIR maybe with like the this whatever the lingering injury thing is happening with Klingberg. I know we don't know exactly what's going to happen, but what's your read on like do those two guys have a legit chance to come back in and be contributors again, or is, is the window closing really fast on them? No, I think they do. You know, they're two distinct situations. You know, I think Reeves, the, the, you know, there's a world where you dress him and you don't play him a ton of minutes. You know, that's what was happening when he was there. You know, they're one injury away from perhaps that that being, you know, something where he's back playing again. So I, I think that you'll see him back in the lineup. You know, I, I think the, the Klingberg situation is tough. He's tried to play through uh, his injury. It's not to say he won't continue to, but, you know, obviously the results haven't been good. He can't move as well on the ice as he as he once did and when you know he had his best seasons you know he's on the doesn't have a lot of security in terms of just being on a one-year deal with, with toronto you know apparently his issues were, were made even worse by being on a couple of long flights uh, you know over to sweden and back and so you know i don't i don't know where that one ends up i think you have a player there that's very proud you know, he gave a, an emotional scrum actually um while we were in stockholm just talking about how he just so badly wants to play again and Get, get to a spot where he can do that. I don't know if he's going to be able to. I mean, I just, to me, that's that's the big question. And then, you know, depending if he can or he can't, then, then I think the decision flows from there. If he can't, he's probably going to be on long-term injured reserve, um, you know, and might free up some cap space for the Leafs to look at some other things. Um, you know, I, I suppose with Reeves, there could be a risk of waivers at some point, but I, I would be surprised. I think there's still, there's still some more time to go in the, um, before that decision has to be made uh, in terms of, you know, someone you signed to a three-year contract. I think that, you know, he's lost his spot because the team started winning when he went out, but, you know, something's going to change where he's going to play again. You know, Klingberg, uh, we just have to see where he's at medically, if he can get back in the lineup at some point here in the near future. All right, Chris, thanks for doing this from an airport lounge in uh, some country that is not Canada or Sweden. That's uh that's a mighty big pinch hit for us. Um, hopefully you can uh, save travels home and uh, you can get some rest. Uh, you got to listen to me read the ad read here. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic NHL's YouTube channel at youtube.com slash The Athletic Hockey Show. Uh, our 2023 Black Friday campaign kicks off today. 
Now through next Monday, you can get a new subscription for $1 a month for 12 months. That's at theathletic.com slash Black Friday. So thanks, CJ. And Jonas and I are going to be back next week. Do you have any parting words? I'm just sad I didn't get to do an ad read with the the jeans, but maybe maybe once I push Jonas aside here, then I can do that. Uh, We love our sponsor too, uh, Doer Jeans. Uh, Check out uh, all their fine wares. And typically we have... uh, a good promo for them as well and they're it's it's good product you know it's one of the it's been a good partnership for us so um and a canadian company and a bc a bc company they're from vancouver so it's good to support uh support local jeans you're checking all your boxes there i love that i did it there we go thanks cj thank you